Welcome to episode 253 of the Hooniverse podcast. I'm sitting in my garage and I'm not alone. Rick Radcliffeo is here. What's up, Rick? It is a beautiful day. How's it going, man? It's great. How it's it's been a bit. It has been a bit. Uh, honestly, I think it was since we did shit to my truck. Yes. I think it was that long, which is like last fall. I think some things have changed since then. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, there's no truck in here. There's no car in here at the moment, but that's f- for other reasons. Um, and Rick, who knows this podcast well, was smart enough to bring beer. So this is your spot, right? Um, this is the place that it's the only place that I will go to to drink beer. <laughs> okay. I will go other places to drink, but if I'm looking for beer, I go to Stone Church Brewing in Corona, California. Stone Church, and this is their saint. He, so he brought three crowlers, uh, and if you don't know what a crowler is, it's like um, it's like a giant can that's essentially a half growler. Quart. Um, yeah, 32 ounces, right, I think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Q for quart. St. Julius Hazy IPA filed on 6-19-18, or filled. Filed. God damn it. I can't read for shit. Yeah, it's um, fresh out of the barrel. I just picked it up a few minutes ago. That's, that's, there we go. All right. Thank so you, what's, sir. So, what's your honest um, beer aficionado oh, review? One, I've taken one sip, so uh, I'll do well, that right now. You better have another one. So, um, I hope that I'm allowed to say this, but it appears that Stone Church will also be opening a location in downtown Temecula okay. sometime around Christmas time. So, for all those people that like to go to Temecula for Libations. Yes. Um, I encourage you to check out Stone Church. Their beer is amazing. There you go. Yeah, no, this is, I actually really like the, um, if you want real beer snobby opinion, I like the very floral notes. Uh, a lot of people have been shitting on IPA lately, which is fine. I get it. It's, it's an easy beer to shit on. Um, and I, I agree with a lot of the points said. This one is very tasty and almost has a, a fruity, a fruity floral mixed to it without being overly herbaceous if we're getting wow. beer snobby. So and I will be having I will be having the the brewer listen to your oh, reviews great. part of this. Great. No, that was that was very good. There's a new brewery opening down the street from here actually. Um following them on Instagram it's called Gamecraft Brewing and it's like a like either table game or video game theme. And it's just down the street on Lake Forest. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm following them on Instagram. Their tanks are in now. So uh, if been, their beer can keep up with the uh, atmosphere, that'll be a great place. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Um, so, Rick, we've gone back to the old style of the podcast where we start off with some news and then we get into our, right the rest on. of our shit. Um, so please comment on any and all of this um, all right or none of that if you just want to sit there and drink your hazy ipa um all right so first up in the news toyota has announced that they are building a hypercar i don't know if you saw this not the supra no 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 this is so they showed a concept and the concept is called i believe the concept is called the gr super sport gr is short for gazoo racing which is what all their high-end stuff's going to mm-hmm. be uh, it is basically going to be like a road car version of the TS-050, uh, the hybrid Le Mans car. So does that mean Gazoo is going to build it then? I guess so, um, but it's still a concept. But powering the concept is a twin-turbo 2.4-liter V6 with a hybrid powertrain making 986 horsepower, pretty much just like the Le Mans car. Because 2.4 is the That's the Le Mans car. For, yeah, yeah, for that, right. Um and it just—it's like a slightly toned-down version of the body of the 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 TS hybrid that just won Le Mans. Sounds 
freaking amazing. Uh, if they if they do build this, it's easily going to be the most bananas Toyota ever made. Easily. I don't know that that's a huge stretch. It's not. It's not. Um, you're right. It's not. When we're talking factory Toyotas. I mean, people have gone bananas with them afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a factory No, from Toyota. the factory. Um, I mean, this will be up there for such a large volume manufacturer. This would be an insane vehicle to make. And I really hope they do because that'd be incredible. So Volkswagen being the other super huge manufacturer, what would be comparable? That would be like Volkswagen building a Le Mans car from the Audi diesels? Uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. that's probably the best reference. Um, though, to be fair, Volkswagen has Bugatti already, which is a bananas car. Um, but this would be... There's no race here. Lighter. Uh, well, I mean, you have to just have to go back to like the 20s, but <laughs> there's there, there's some, but no, there's no modern race heritage, certainly. It's not like a McLaren GTR F1. Or, right. You know. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. F1 there's GTR there's another, right. speaking of McLaren, uh, I just wrote an article for Motor Authority. Um, so when they made the F1, they made about 106 or 107 of them. And 71 of those, I think, were road cars. And of that, five were called LM spec, which means they got the LM engine. And then two of those were LM spec with the ultra high downforce package, which is basically so all the aero bits that the race car would get and the engine the race car would get with the full regular nice F1 interior. Lights and turn signals. Uh, And one of them is for sale right now. Um, Is there a published asking price? No, but it's sold in 15 for 13.75 million. I think it was 2015. Um, Today, I would have to imagine it's price on request. You know, Mm -hmm. the number starts with a two now. Well, obviously. Yeah. So just seven more figures. Go go on record. What what are you going to what are you going to say for a price? And we can see if you're right when it's finally published. Oh, that's a good. Well, it's it's private sale. It's not auction. It's not listed for auction, so, so we might it might just quietly yeah. be sold. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if it's like twenty four million dollars. I, I agree. I, you're at least there, I think. Um, and it has some upgrades along the way, like they redid the interior so it's nicer. They put in, they fitted some kind of nav system in a corner, like an actual McLaren in the corner nav system without interrupting anything else in the car. The audio system has been upgraded to a more modern spec. Um, has 19,000 miles, which is actually pretty good for one of those cars, minus like the Mr. Bean car. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's for sale. It's this gorgeous red color. It's it's probably the coolest. It's one of the, definitely one of the coolest McLaren F1s you can buy. No question. They're all cool. Yeah. This one is above and beyond. Because like you can get like the uh, Lazante back in the day did the F1 GTRs. So where they took the the race car version and then made them street legal. This is kind of a different way of doing that. And I think there's something cooler about it that it was the road car beefed up to race car spec. Like, I don't know why it's cooler going that way than the other way. I mean, both are cool. Both ways yeah. are cool. Um, but do I you know. wind up at the same point? I don't know. But it's a very good question. It'd be very interesting to see. I bet because I feel like the interiors on the Lanzante cars are going to be a little, still a little bit race car-y mm-hmm. where this one isn't. Like there's no, ex, um, expo- I don't know if there's an exposed roll cage in the Lanzante cars, but there's no roll cage in this one. There's no like um, fire suppression and, and, you know, engine shut off or battery shut off, which I imagine those cars probably have just because they're race cars. Yeah. 
Um, so the, I mean, this one looks like as you know, the F one is still an insane car on the inside. So, but it's, but this one is nice, like leather and suede. And, and it, I mean, it's badass. Uh, and it's signed by got, Gordon Murray, which is kind of cool. Oh, too. wow. <laughs> uh, now you said that it's got 19,000 miles on it. Yeah. I would love to know how many of those miles are track versus street. Right. Because if it's been on a track, that means somebody's seen it, you know, unless yeah. somebody's renting the track and, and hiding it from the public, which seems kind of silly. Right. I mean, it seems like the type of car you buy and you just rip down your local B roads in if you're, you know, obscenely wealthy. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But but the Toyota hypercar could be insane. Um, so uh, switching gears a bit, Pikes Peak testing is underway. Very exciting stuff. Uh, I was looking at photos of testing today. Drew Phillips is out there. Drew Phillips is a photographer. Uh, he does a lot of work for Autoblog and then other people as well. When I went to pike's peak i hung out with drew i am friends with drew i know drew his photos were gorgeous it's no exception this year and he's he got some gorgeous end of testing day with the sun setting of all the crazy shit running up the hill uh the one of the ones i'm most interested this year i don't know if you paid attention to anything that's going to be there just a little bit so i think the one that's probably the the most interesting is there's two volkswagens i did hear about that so the one the and okay, so these are both interesting for two different reasons. One of them is this, it's called the IDR. It's an electric race car. Mm-hmm. It's it's ultra lightweight, ultra aerodynamic, full electric, and it's gunning. I think Romain Dumas is driving it and he's gunning for the EV record, which is currently owned by uh, Reese Millen. He did it in eight minutes, 57 seconds, 0.118. So, I mean... Any, I remember back in the, like not even that long ago, ten minutes was the mark, and then nine minutes was the mark, and then for you know um, just unlimited cars, Sebastian Loeb came out and was like, "Fuck all you guys." I forget what his record time is, but it's it's considerably more than this eight fifty seven. But eight fifty seven is the EV mark. At, at what? And we have to. I think we have to say with Bike Speak, full pavement versus mixed yeah you know because the i don't think those times are comparable no but the volkswagen that you're talking about the article that i saw that was the most interest to me was that volkswagen figured out that if there was a problem on the course they had to be able to recharge and reset within 20 minutes and so they spent a considerable amount of effort figuring out how to recharge their electric car within that 20 minute time period wow and so when I mean, the the fact that the car is unbelievably fast, um, I'm very excited about that. But I think that's going to be an area where we're going to see some serious technology transfer. Yeah. And Volkswagen, because of Dieselgate, is putting a ton of energy into electrical anyway. Right. But that might be a that might be a deal changer for them if they can figure out how to like ultra fast charging. If you can get a five minute fill to like ninety percent. Yeah. Even eighty, yeah. That I mean, that changes the world for a lot of people because yeah. now an electric car can legitimately replace. And if Volkswagen's got that technology up and running, um, you know, they they just jumped ahead. Everybody, right? Um, now the other extremely interesting Volkswagen, and this is the opposite end of the spectrum. This is a car that Volkswagen ran. I think 20, 30 years ago, and it made it 90% of the way up the hill and, and failed near the top. And they were on pace to like, to win that year, except 
they didn't, and Walter Royal won in an Audi Quattro, like S2 rally car. It's a twin-engined Golf. Sweet. Two. It has two 1.8s. One for the front axle, one for the rear axle. It can run as front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, or all wheel drive. It's. It, I forget the, the. It's like a five-speed box that handles it. Um, so they they re they rebuilt the car. It's not two separate powertrains. It uh, it's one gearbox controlling it, but they can they can like disengage a drive shaft or something like that. Um, it's really weird. Have you seen the the lemons car that's a twin? No, engine? I know I know that one runs two um, shift levers and everything, right? No, one's an automatic. Oh, so, so they put just it put it in drive, drive on one, and then you run the manual box for the other one. I think I think there's a way they're disengaging. The transmission from the drive shafts. You're going to have to put up some more information on Universe.com. Yeah, I think so. Um, but that thing's cool. Acura's there with a ton of shit. Acura has the NSX, which you expect. The TLX race cars, like the real-time Acura. And then they have a, an MDX is running up the hill. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's the usual assortment of like classics, big-winged craziness, like whatever Paul Dallenbach is driving, um, sidecars, motorcycles, crazy people. So it looks like it should be good. Hopefully the weather holds for everybody. So we'll see. That, that's going to be crazy. Um, I'm, I'm very, very disappointed. Uh, there are a number of things I haven't gotten to do in my life, but I really would have liked to have seen Pikes Peak before it was paved. I was there. So the one year I was there was the last year there was some dirt. And it was um, when Tajima uh, won it. Yeah. Um, so it was that was a good trip. And that was that was a Suzuki he was driving. Yeah. Yep. And I, I was a Suzuki trip I was on. That's how long ago what feels now. Um, wow. <laughs> and it was actually a really good press trip too. It was like four or five of us. There was I, that's when I met Paul Walker because he drove the pace car. So I chatted with him for like 30, 40 minutes at the top of the mountain because he had to wait till he could go back down. Wow. Um, uh, now it's funny though that you mentioned Dieselgate because my next news bulletin point is that the Audi CEO was arrested in Germany. Oopsie. Uh, Rupert Stadler was arrested at his home by German police. The prosecutors allege that Stadler was attempting to obscure aspects of the investigation related to Dieselgate cheat devices. So this shit is just not going away. Quick, everybody delete every email. It's, I mean, that's a, that's a big person to take. That's one of the biggest people to take down in the organization. The only people above him are board members. And, and there are certain people who should be in the way of the, not fire, like, you know, the metaphorical firing squad, um, who so far their names are not getting dragged through the mud and it's wild that they're not. Um, but that, I mean, that's a big deal that they, they arrested him at his home but it sounds like, you know, don't obstruct justice and, and don't <laughs> willingly might lie to consumers and pollute the environment more than yeah. you need to. Right. Um, final bit of news is a bit more um, fun than the last bit. The Civic Type R. New track record. Spa. All right. Front wheel drive production car record at Spa with a time of 253.72. The previous record holder, what car do you think previously held the record? Front wheel drive? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Citroen or something. The last gen Type R, <laughs> which, had right. a, which had a time of 256.91. So it, it, Three seconds? Yep, which isn't, uh, which isn't bad, 
but it's still a long course. It's four and four and a half miles or 4.3 miles or something and like that. Three seconds is an eternity. On a course that size, yes. If it was at like Laguna, three seconds would be a big jump. Um, but Type R now also holds the ring record for a front wheel mm-hmm. drive production car at 743, which is fast as fuck. Uh, I think Honda needs to take this thing to more tracks. Well, I think you need to take it to more tracks. Well, no, they have they have pro drivers who can do it because I would just <laughs> crash it. Um, the it should go to Laguna Seca. Absolutely. Randy Popst has a. It needs a VIR run too. I was going to say VIR was next on my list. Was it was it not in best drivers car? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it must have been. You would think it's been out long enough. Yeah. Did you see? Speaking of track records, did you see? I just saw this today. Jag has their new version. Of their XE sedan, the, like the Super 8, Project Super 8 or whatever the fuck it's yeah, called, with the big wing. Did you see, so do you know the journalist Jethro Bovingdon? Yes. British well, guy. He's personally, on, but. Right, he's on Motor Trend. He's a, he's a really nice guy. He can drive. He's driven in some major races, including N24. Um, he was on a press event for the car at, I think it was Autodromo in Portugal, and he broke the lap record for a production sedan. <laughs> wow. During his thing. Uh, he beat the an M3. But to set a lap record for a production car yeah, yep. on a press trip. Yeah, that's yep. That's pretty crazy. The average journalist is not going to do that. No. Um, so that was really impressive. So but Coop, we have some above average journalists. Yeah, that, yeah. You know. But that's still pretty fucking impressive. And now, to be fair, the it lists and he beat the last record by a lot. And it's and it just the thing I saw was it, the last record was held by a BMW M3. I didn't see which era M3. I didn't see if which vert like M3 GTS M3. You know CSL all the ones they have in Europe that we don't get. Which M3 was it? Because this Jag isn't just a normal you know, SVR, it's, it's got a huge wing. I think it has a half cage in the back. It has, which you can buy it from the factory. So it is a factory production vehicle, but it is a very focused one to be fair to the M3. That's all. So I need to know more about the M3. Like they might be a bit like, all right, fine. We're taking an M4 GTS there or not an M4 GTS, but an M3, whatever. And we're going to give this another go. Um, or like maybe a fucking Panamera shows up and, you know, or RS7. Mm. It's not as going to be as fast in the corners, but if it's a fast track in the straights, it's fucking game over. That thing's so fast. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for the news. Yes, I, I remember my my Jeff Glucker RS7 experience. Oh. Or that was just an S7. I can okay. imagine an RS7. Yeah. Um, it's... it's obscenely fast it's a it, that car has no business being that fast and there's been spy shots that there's a new version coming out which i mean come on it's a, it's an it's a four-door r8 no question about it amazing the acceleration is phenomenal ask jason connor about it sometime he's he's he may have hit numbers we're not allowed to talk about in mexico sure on a, on a full moon right <laughs> um he lives close enough so um <laughs> not really all right so Again, thanks for coming on. It, I invited you because I want to um, know what's going on in your world ca- car-wise. And then I've seen, I saw you're taking the, your Subaru to the track. Also, you have a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy things happen. So um, I'm, well, let's, we'll go back a little bit in time. Mm-hmm. So last year, two years ago, I got rid of the Corvette. Um, I wasn't really sorry to see it go. Okay. Uh, I just couldn't deal with Tupperware anymore. Um, and I, when I bought the and car, you say Corvette, so everybody knows C5, C5 Z06. Right. Um, when I bought the car, I knew I had to put a seat in it to be comfortable. 
And after three seats, it just wasn't ever going to be comfortable. Wow. Which so. seats did you go through? Did you do the Corbo, um, which is the common one? I had a Sparco Evo oh. 3 Plus. Wow. Um, That's supposed to be a pretty good seat. It was a great seat. Amazing was seat. Was it wonky in the car? Uh, it was a tight fit in the car. Too big, right? Everything's too big in that car. Yeah. You look at a Corvette and you're like, oh, tons of space. And you take the other seat out and everything's flat and it looks like, oh, dude, this would be so easy to put a, a seat in. The tunnel in the Corvette is super, super wide, which means the seat location is very narrow. Yeah. So I will tell you the perfect seating position for me in that car is just sitting on the floor. <laughs> the The way the, the rear ledge is set up, I sit on the floor, back against the ledge, I can push the clutch pedal all the way in. But you've actually driven the car with no seat. Yes. And it was great. I actually, and I actually took it Angeles Crest the whole way. With no seat. With no seat. I rigged up a bracket so I could have a seatbelt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no seat. Car was phenomenal. I was so comfortable. I was so happy. It railed. Okay. So anyway, so decided enough of Tupperware. Couldn't deal with it anymore. Got rid of the Corvette. Um, my friend who works for BMW Riverside, thank you, Mark Decker, um, let me borrow his Porsche 914 a number of times. Uh, it's got a 2.4 liter from Fat Performance. Uh, I, I think when it was new, it was somewhere in the 150 horsepower range. Uh, it's not there now. But right. anyway, so I got to drive it a couple of times like, oh, this thing's kind of badass. So I started looking around and I found a 914 in San Diego for 4,500 bucks and I needed a clutch. Right. Cool. Right, right, right. I remember this car. I'm going to drop the motor out, slap a clutch in it, drive it for the summer. Yeah, that didn't happen. So now I'm... Wasn't it a basket case? Well, like it's not pretty, but it's a 914 and it's, you know, I mean, if you want a nice pretty like 914, you're in the 15 to 20,000 range, even for four cylinder. Right. For a nice one. The thing I didn't realize when I bought it was that rust is a significant issue on those cars. And I didn't know where to look, and I didn't know what I was looking for. Right. So after I got the motor out and discovered that the, th- we're pretty sure that it was the original motor, never been out of the car, 93,000 miles. They got their money's worth. Type 4 motors don't usually last that long. Okay. So fat- I know Bradley Brown was right. They do if you treat them right. Well... This one was purchased. That's new. not Brad's voice, but this one was purchased new at uh, Beverly Hills Porsche. That's cool. Uh, at some point, somebody put an air conditioner in it. Okay, and then at some point, they took it back out again. Yeah. Um. So the front trunk is cut out for the air conditioning condenser, mm. so you can see ground when you open the trunk. Lots of dripping water too, right? Well, no water anymore because all the AC stuff's gone. Yeah. Um. The uh, somebody put harnesses at some point. Because the eye bolts are still there. Okay. But when they put the harnesses in, um, the back windows have a tendency to leak. But then where the harness, the upper harness mounts are, apparently the water leaked in there too. <laughs> so the floorboards underneath the seats are rotten. Ugh. Um, the rear trunk is rotten. So long story. Anyway, so I get into the motor, discover the motor is completely worn out. Go down to Fat Performance because they're known for building these Type 4. And I was like, you know what? I know I could do an LS swap. I know I could do a Subaru swap. I know there's all these swaps that I could do. I just want to build the motor, put it back in the car. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Clean this one up. Yeah, $10,000 later. Oh, shit. I have a 142-horsepower Type 4 motor. <laughs> brand new carbs, brand new exhaust. Right. Everything you could do to make a 2056 reliable 
has been done. Right. Uh, and and that's a lot of money for a motor. So you've turned a $4,500 car into a $5,000 car um, Well, the it, secondary market. Pretty much, uh, especially considering the motor. Oh, and I, I paid... This sounds like what I'm doing with my Mercedes right now, by the way. Well, no, because I, I'm only getting minor shit done. But Yeah, I, I'm not... I, I'm deeper into it than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also had the train. I figured, well, if I did the motor and I'm ten grand in the motor, what's another two grand for a transmission? So the motor, trans, car, clutch, everything is done. Powertrain's ready to go in the car. Looks pretty. Sitting on my bench in my classroom at school. Okay. Um, there is a, a place in. Well, I just so uh, Randy English Restorations is in Norco, mm-hmm. like a mile from the school. I met him on Instagram of all places. I look <laughs> and I'm like. Norco, right? And he's do- so. Randy's a super cool dude, but he's got a lot of projects going on. Okay, so sometime in the March time frame, I dropped the car off to him. Sometime in the, I hope August time frame, he might get started on it. Okay, he has other stuff going on, and I told, I legitimately told him, I have all the time in the world. Right. Whenever you get just to it, you glad get to it's it. parked somewhere else. Why well, do you care? I have now. I have plenty of parking. I moved, so okay. Um, well, now was, you tell me. Yeah. I was no. like, <laughs> no. my wagon's okay at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, actually, if we need to move the wagon, I have plenty of space. No, the well, wagon's golden right now. So, um, it's good to know, though. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm in process on this Porsche. In the meantime, I buy a Ducati Monster from a buddy of mine. Right. I remember that. Love that thing. Absolutely love that motorcycle. And then I'm cruising Craigslist one day and I find a Ducati 916 for stupid cheap money. And so the monster, cause I'm not a bike guy, but I know, I know what these bikes are, but I don't know where they are in the hierarchy. The monster is like an entry level Ducati, correct? When it came out, it was entry level Ducati. This one, it's called an S2R 1000. So juiced up. So it's, it's mid range on the monster scale. So okay. monster is basically a naked bike. There's no fairings right, right, right. or minimal fairing. Um, it's, it's much more of a street urban, Maybe some canyon, okay. but it's not. It's not a race bike. It's not a cruiser, but it's not like a full sport bike. Yeah. So your feet are under your butt, not in front of you. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's a. You can almost think of it as like a nine hundred SS that they took the fairings off. Okay. Um. So, so the nine sixteen though is is sport bike. The nine six. So when I started riding motorcycles in nineteen ninety one, the eight eighty eight was out. I'm watching Doug Pullen, and I was uh, eleven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm going to Newcomb's Ranch. Uh, I I got to ride the first couple of times I went to Newcomb's Ranch. I got to ride with Nick Einosh at Newcomb's Ranch, who was the editor of Motorcyclist Magazine. Oh, cool. Okay. Super, super good dude. Um, Zach Bowman is on this cover of this month's Motorcyclist Magazine. Random, random, but go ahead. Another super cool dude. <laughs> um, so I learned a lot from him. And then the 916 came out. Now, if you go to Newcomb's on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. there's a hundred motorcycles. Oh, easy, yeah. On on a slow day, Newcomb's is nuts for bikes. Um, so in 1993, when the bike came out, and we start seeing these 916s show up. Now, 8088s were beautiful, but 916s were rock like spaceships. Like yeah, aliens had come to town. It was like Ferrari 308 to F40. Yes, yes. So I drooled on these things for three years until i went off to college now you're now today you're like i'm an adult i can afford one well like i never thought i'd be able to afford right one. i was like this this will always be out of my reach and then i find this bike and i'm like holy shit done 
So I went back and forth a little bit. So it actually has a bunch of the SPS upgrades. So it's got like a carbon fiber. SPS, what is that? So in Ducati parlance, there's the the base model bike. And then there's an S, which is upgraded suspension. Usually that's Olin's forks and Olin's shock. Mm. Then there's all Olin's. Olin's. They make mountain bike shocks. Did you know They make everything. They're so badass. I know. We'll talk about them in a minute for Super 2. So then there's the R model, which was basically supposed to be I'm a, either a very good club racer right. or I'm going racing and I need all of the good shit. Okay. Um, it, and sometimes the, I think, and don't quote me on this because I'm not a super Ducati expert, but basically um, the R models sometimes came with lights and turn signals and sometimes they just left them in the box. Wow. Okay. Um, and then the SPS was kind of a combination of some of those things. So like my bike has an Olin's uh, rear shock, but I think it still has the show of forks. But and, and whatever, because it had less than ten thousand miles when I got it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a rider quality bike, so I don't have to I don't have to stress about oh my god it might get a scratch or something. Right, I can go out and ride the bike. And both bikes are super rideable. Um, I would have no problem. I went to Escondido on both of them in the last month. You still own the Monster? I still own both. Oh, of them. nice. Okay. Yes. Yes, I come out to the garage and I have to decide a little which Ducati I'm going on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, do you starting... feel like do you feel like today you're a rich guy from 15 years ago? Oh, hell yes, <laughs> dude. If you knew where I was, you still had t- the vet next to them too. You'd be like, oh, the stock market looks delightful today. 15. The years Dow was at 12,000. Tremendous. <laughs> and. I know I can't believe that that these have come into my. I mean, that's life. Aw- I mean, that's amazing to put dream machines in your garage. So that's awesome. So I'm I'm on the hunt for an eight fifty one eight eighty eight. I have a Porsche in the shop and two Ducatis in the garage. <laughs> You're on the hunt for what? I'm sorry, uh, an eight fifty one or an eight eighty eight. Um, my uh, my Ducati dealer, Motoforza and Escondido, uh, great guys. Um, he did air quotes because when he said that, by the way, because he felt. He felt he was mocking himself. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely mocking I just myself. Had to, I just had to give them the visual. Um, uh, well, all right. So when I bought the 916, it had them in service for a while. And if you're familiar with those, um, timing belts. And I'm not familiar with them, but I do know they're Italian. So Okay, so timing belts. Cha-ching. So just like on a Ferrari 355 or 348, timing belts. Pain, you know, royal pain in the ass to do. Uh, I am a technician. But I have not been able to find any kind of concrete, like, this is how you do yeah, this yeah. job. Step one, remove cover. Step two, well, this like, bolt, this bolt. All that stuff is pretty simple. It's the tensioning. Okay. So, And the way the belts are in there, if you get them too tight, they don't last very long. If you get them too loose, they skip teeth. Oh. And so I decided, you know what? I'm super busy. Right. I've got stuff going on. Let me just... So I find out that Motoforce has got one of the guys that used to be one of Ducati's race technicians... <laughs> We get down there, we discover at some point the chip in my bike went bad and they put in one from a 748, a much smaller bike. Oh. So it wasn't running very well. So we found a chip for it. So Motoforce's original location burned to the ground. Holy He's shit. He's like, we used to have 100 of those chips just sitting in a box. Could have thrown it in it. So they found a chip for me, retuned the bike. They're like, yeah, your fuel filter is probably plugged because it's still not where we want it to be as far as power. Mm-hmm. I get on the bike night and day difference <laughs> yeah like i'm like holy shit i can't even hang on to this thing both bikes have a red line i'm not sure where it is oh jesus because the monster drives like a big block so yeah 
The monster has 42,000 miles on it now. Okay. Spun a bearing at like 35,000 or something like that. Rebuilt, from what I understand, um, cams, head work, that kind of stuff. So my understanding is it's a lot more powerful than it was, but it drives like a big block. You rev it to like seven grand and just shift. Yeah. Because there's... It's just, you're in the torque, you're fine. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, the 916, like seven, 8,000... You're going fast. Oh, this has got to be like a 10, 11,000 RPM bike yeah. though, right? Yeah. Like it's not like a Honda. Aren't those a little bit? So like the little four cylinders, the 600 four cylinders will run 16, 17,000 oh, RPM. Oh, Jesus Christ. But there's nothing home until 8,000. Yeah. So this one, the monster at two grand from two to seven is just, you know, it's it's obnoxious. That's cool. The, the exhaust exits underneath your foot. There's like four inches of exhaust Jesus pipe. Christ. So it's like, I have, I have a helmet. You like that, you like that fucking noise, that, that oilless. Uh, uh, well, so the dry clutch is different. You can't, once, once you start moving, you can't hear the dry clutch. Anymore. No, I know. But idle, every Ducati guy loves being at a stoplight. Where, whereas the Harley guy sits there, brim, brim, like grabbing the gas every now and the Harley guy, or the Ducati guy does not touch his his throttle. He just leaves it in neutral. <laughs> that clackety clack of the fucking <laughs> clutch, the, the dry clutch rattle. Yeah. Yep. And and so interesting fact: the worse it rattles, the closer to worn out the clutch basket is. Oh. So that's what they told me when I picked it up. They're like, "Yeah, the 916's got some wear. You need to keep an eye on it. Probably next year when you bring it back for service." We'll need to that distinctive Ducati sound lets you know when you're about to <laughs> spend a shitload of money. Yeah, it's and it's actually not too bad. The, no, the uh, I think Barnett makes a couple of kits for it, and there's okay. some other places, and it's like it's like 500 bucks. I mean, and you're in an area where you can get parts. I honestly think one of the number one Ducati dealers in the country, Pro th- Italia, is in, is in Glendale. What about the the one in uh, Newport on um, off the 55? I think that's a really big one. Right, um, right before you get into Newport a by large, Old Hospital. They're a large size dealer. Mm. I don't know that I would say that they're, as far as name recognition goes, okay. I would say Pro Italia. Because in the 90s, Pro Italia was, they were the, like, if you wanted your bike done, you went to Pro Italia. Okay. So, uh, and how they are now, I don't know. I haven't dealt with them in, in years. But I know when I was up in the crest, like, you know, Pro Italia is the place that you go. Damn. So, but, and they ran their own teams. Like they were, from what I understand, they were like the fast by Farachi people. So if you needed that kind of stuff, like they were, they made their own parts. And so, um, but as far as volume or anything like that, I, I don't know. So I can sure. ask that question. So anyway, so I have a couple of toys. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine lives up in Placerville and I was up hanging out with him one weekend and he was busy, so I was hanging out. And I'd kind of convinced myself that I needed a car. I mean, I have a truck also, but right. I, I wanted a car because uh, and the motorcycles aren't a daily kind of thing. Right, right. And so I wanted a car. So I'm out looking for cars. Now, you and I have similar problems. We're short. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I sit very tall, and so there are a lot of cars that just aren't. So I'd been driving an 06 Civic Si, belonged to a buddy of mine. He's like, just drive it until you're done with it. Right. Um, every time I hit a bump, my head was in the moonroof. 
That was why the 99 SI I got from you went bye-bye because I was tired of hitting my head on the moonroof every time I hit it. I don't know what it is about my own body. I don't have most of the tall people problems with the car. Like I can fit in every generation Miata. Uh, I can, I never would hit my head in, in my Civic and it's not like I'm like lean back. I actually like to be kind of up on the wheel a little bit. Um, I don't know what my proportions are like Bradley Brownell again to speak about Bradley he has trouble fitting in cars where I have no problem and I he's not taller than me but I think Brad and I have longer torsos maybe and I think you might have longer legs yeah I guess legs would be so much easier to deal with way easier to deal with I'm like the um the the dude from the Simpsons are you what the fuck does he say uh, you find something comical about my appearance? Uh, Nelson makes him a really tall guy in a car. Um, you should crack another one of those crowlers before we get into your next ride. Okay. Um, right. You do that while I will keep talking about that I don't understand the bike stuff, though I do want to. Now, interestingly, uh, I don't know if I talked about this on the last podcast or not, but is it it's Dionys or Dionys? Dionysi. I don't think I talked about this on the last podcast, but Dionysi always reaches out to me and it's very kind of them to say, hey, this is the latest gear we have. This is this, this. Okay. Well, they don't, I, I say, I afford it to some of the people who write for us, motorcycle stuff. I've done this and that. And I was looking at their site. Uh, oh, we got a new, new beer, Covenant IPA. Awesome. Also filled today. This is their most popular. Okay. Um, so on their website, they also have mountain bike gear. So I reached back out to the PR guy and said, hey, so I don't ride. You know this, but I've recently gotten into mountain biking, as everybody listening to this is so, so tired of hearing. Um, how about I do a story on how your mountain bike gear relates to your motorcycle gear? And he's like, all right, pick out a few things, pick out a few things, and um, I'll see what we can get you. I was like, all right, well, fuck. I haven't gotten a firm yes yet. I haven't gotten any, like, shipping information about what they might have, but potentially I might have some DNEC mountain bike gear on its way, which could be super rad, uh, especially because we're considering going to some mountain bike park in the very near future, and... I keep overthinking what I need, whereas uh, Josh Ostrander, a you know, um, friend of the show who helps us shoot a lot of stuff and has been on the podcast, says I'm overthinking it and it's not going to be as gnarly as I think. We're going to Sky Park in Lake Arrowhead. And uh, I have a friend, though, who is also an automotive journalist who is also way into mountain biking. He's actually a brand ambassador for Pearl Izumi, which makes really fancy, expensive cycling shit. And he was up at Whistler riding, which is much more gnarly. And he doesn't remember the accident, but when he eventually got out of the hospital in Vancouver, he had to fly home to LA and got, he now has metal hardware in his arm. He, he broke some shit. He bruised some shit. Um, he said the metal hardware and, um, clearly he doesn't remember the hit and he, I think he was armored up when he did it too. So, and this is a dude who rides a lot. So, uh, which Randy? Oh, okay. Oh, that's funny. Well, you, dude, so the guy do working, potentially going to be working on my wagon is way into riding mountain bikes too. 
I mean, it's just this area. Um, he he's a, he mentioned, because I stopped in the shop to talk about it, the wagon, but we'll get it. Well, actually, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into the wagon in a minute. Let's move on to your latest acquisition. All right. So, um, so I'd made the decision to buy a car, and I just didn't know what I was going to get. Uh, Mark has a Fiesta ST. Matt's had a Fiesta ST. Everybody I've talked to has been like, Fiesta ST is, is the car to have. So I drove the Civic up to Placerville to, uh, to go run the roads up there. By the way, if you're ever in the Sacramento, Tahoe area, amazing fucking roads up there. Um, I cannot tell you enough. We, uh, we did like a Highway 50 up to Truckee and then back down. Um, there's a river, and I don't know which river, but like parallels the river and gorgeous scenery. And um, this is in January, so there's snow in Truckee. It's all clear. It hasn't snowed in a couple right. of days. There's actual snow on the ground in Truckee. And then we're coming down uh, from Truckee down this road and just shit everywhere. You know, sand on the roads. Or, but this Civic I'm driving is ancient, so I don't care. Right. Uh, most fun. Uh, and then the next day we found some super tight roads in the middle of nowhere. It just glorious, glorious good time. So, um, uh, no, I don't know what those roads are. Don't anybody go find them. But Northern California, Placerville area has some incredible roads. I've driven around Tahoe. I don't remember exactly where, but it was one of the greatest driving experiences of my life. Not because the roads were great, but because the scene, and I didn't like veer off because the the scenery was gorgeous. And I was in a series one and a half E-type. Wow. (laughs) And I think, I think I remember hearing you talk about that. That was back when the classic car show was trying to be a thing. So that would be an experience. It was good. Um, but sorry, go ahead. So anyway, so I'm up in Placerville, I'm driving the civic, I'm hitting my head on the moonroof. I'm like, screw this. So Mark's busy one day. Um, and so I start cruising dealerships and I found a focus RS in blue sitting on a lot, stopped and looked at it. Just didn't quite fit right. I drove Mark's Fiesta for like 45 minutes. Recaros? Uh, no Recaros. Okay, good. Um, because he said, Mark's my size also, and he said he hated the it. Recaros are super tight. Hey, Chris loves his Recaros. I, I fucking hate them. Fiesta Recaros yes. are too narrow. Yes. Just like in the Corvette. The Car's Focus RS Recaros are fine, though. I haven't, well, the Focus, I had different problems. The way the car is set up, like on the Fiesta, I felt like I had to fingertip the shifter. Okay. Because I was sitting up so high that I was reaching down so low to finger. It just wasn't, like, it just didn't click. Sure. So I'm cruising around. I stop at the Honda dealer in Shingle Springs, and I drove, a like, a Civic Sport, which is... Yeah, the little oh, one-and-a-half turbo. No, yeah. it's, and it's like a $20,000 car, brand new. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. But the problem is I didn't want just okay. And so then right across the street is Shingle Springs Subaru. Right. So I go in there, and, you know, Honda had been nice to me and all, but I go into Subaru, and I'm like, hey, do you guys have any BRZs? Because I, I used to have an FRS, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll just go back and do that again. Right. And they're like, sorry, we sold the last one yesterday. Have you ever thought about a WRX? And I'm like, no, I don't want to be one of those guys. <laughs> He's like, you should probably drive it. So I'm walking around, and I look. And they have one with Recaros in it. Now, I love Recaros. And that goes back to my senior year in high school. My mom bought a Jetta GLI 16 valve with Recaros in it. Nice. So my learning to drive experience, and my, my worst ticket 
Um, I didn't get written for 125, mm-hmm. but I can tell you for sure that a 1990 Jetta GLI tops out at 125 because I was doing 125 on Highway 138 for nice. a good 15 minutes when I went past the CHP officer. Statute of limitations and all. Yeah. No. Yeah. It doesn't that um, do, that doesn't matter yeah. at all. So um, I taught my eighty five Z out at one hundred and thirty, but that's as fast as it would go. So, so I I see these Recaros and I'm like, okay, we have a chance. And then I discover the performance pack is Recaros, upgraded brake pads, and no moonroof. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like. Oh, so I sit down and I put my fist above my head and I have no contact. And I'm like, oh, so you're taking this car for a drive. And the dealership's just like, here's the keys. See you in a while. You're not coming with me. They're like, no, you're old enough. We, we know you're not here. You're an you adult. Don't. Yeah. Go for it. Like, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> so. And I, I, I just watched Baby Driver. Bye. <laughs> I treated the car reasonably, I, you know, because I might be buying it, so I'm not going to go beat on it. Um, no, you I, come back and be like, I love it. I just don't want this specific car. Well, unfortunately. Because it has clutch issues now. Unfortunately, it was the only one right, right. that was set up the way I wanted it. Uh, and then I see that there's an STI sitting there, and I'm like. Yeah, it's a big jump, though. Yeah, and I'm like, guys, I, I got to drive the STI. Because unfortunately. I've gotten to the point where I'm single. I mean, unfortunately, one way or the other. Uh, and I have a good income, so I really don't care how much it costs. That's not that's not the issue. So I'm like, I, I need to drive the STI. They're like, sure, no problem. Here you go. Here's the keys. See you, bye. Um, do you need gas? No, it's good. So I go out and drive the STI, and I, I, you're going to hear a lot of hate on this. I don't think so. The first thing is I didn't feel $10,000 worth of performance increase. Next thing, the steering wheel and the inserts in the doors were Alcantara. And I know with the life that I have that Alcantara is going to look awful in like six months. It's just going to be disgusting because I work on cars and I have a life and it's a daily and Alcantara just isn't going to hold up. I didn't really want the wing. and You can get it without the wing. Uh, They'll delete it, but it actually does provide measurable downforce. Yes, and and we're actually going to talk about that in just a minute also. All right. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't feel there was a $10,000 performance difference between the base WRX and the STI, and the base WRX is a direct-injected FA series motor. The STI is still the EJ, EJ motor. EJ, yeah. And I don't know if it's a myth or not, but EJs are known for popping head gaskets. And they are known for that, yeah. I'm, and I don't know if that's because people are tuning them up or what's going on. I'm not going to... I don't have enough experience in right. the Subaru world to comment on that and, and be an authority on no, it. No, of course. But it came down to I wanted leather inserts, a leather steering wheel, leather shift... I think it's leather shift knob, um, and no wing, and and I wanted a gray car, and the only one they had was white. The FA... The, that 2 liter is great. That's a great I, engine. Love that motor. Yeah. So having said that, both cars, when I drove them, horrible, ungodly rev hang. Yeah. It's an emissions oh, thing. Yes. And I, and it took me some time to find it 
basically what happens is when you snap the throttle plates closed, right. fuel is still flowing. Yep. You got a whole bunch of hydrocarbons There's in the exhaust. There's a number of modern cars that do that. Mm-hmm. That Civic did it too. Yes. Um, and so I was like, all right, this is, this is not good. The other thing was they have the throttle tune. I hate rev hang. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So the throttle, you give it like 10% throttle and the computer gives it like 40% throttle. And it's, I think, <laughs> I think it's done, except the FA doesn't make that noise. No, it has equal length headers. Which is, people are like, that's not a Subaru. Right. Um, the, uh, I think it's done to make it feel faster, mm. but at 4,000 RPM, it was done. Yeah. And I was just like, this thing's kind of shitty to drive. So I had it for about a month. And you're talking about the WRX now. The specific. base WRX right. with a performance pack. Right. You bought it. Bought it. Oh, my God. Love that car. Um, I had to drive it home from Placerville, so I got 500 miles on it the first weekend. Um, we went back up the next day to Truckee and did the same road back down. Um, the car just fucking rocks. There's no other way around it. It's an amazing car. I And I think probably 50% of that is because... I fit the car well. Sure. And I'm comfortable in the car and it doesn't really do anything wrong. It has the right amount of power for the right amount of chassis. There's a, like a ladybug flying around behind your head. Sorry. It's distracting me. <laughs> okay. Um, so I drove the car home on the freeway, had to fly back and get the civic. Um, found a guy in orange County mm-hmm. selling. Cause I guess he had leased a car and turned it back in, got his Cobb tuner. Oh, and his floor mats. And he, I mean, he needs them gone, really. Uh, got a, Cobb tuners are like 650 new, I think. Okay. I think I paid 500 bucks total for okay. um, floor mats, trunk mat, and the tuner. Dude, they should literally give you the tuner when you buy the car. Is it? Something that just plugs into the car? Is yes. it that simple? It plugs it's into the, the access OD- port? It's just like Connor's um, Fiesta tuner. Focus? That's what I said, focus tuner. Well, like his former. <laughs> yeah, RIP focus. Pour one out. Um, don't pour it out. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's super simple. You plug it in the access port. Um, By the way, I don't pour it out. I pour it in my mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Pour ahead. it in. Yeah. Um, so you, you go on Cobb's website and you download um, the map and I downloaded a 91. I wanted just a super safe, you know, off the shelf. So I call it OTS off the shelf, 91 octane for California gas. Um, night and day difference. Really? No rev hang. The throttle oh. mapping is correct. Just getting rid uh, of the rev hang would feel amazing. Oh, dude. Like I said, they should just... It should just, like, when they do the add-on stuff at the dealership, they should just say Cobb Tuner. You, want, just you, add it on. you want the Cobb Tuner, right? Yeah, of course I want the fucking Cobb Tuner. Yeah. Well, they should they Roll should it have, into, the, like, a lease price for people. Well, not a lease price, but purchase price or whatever. Well, or yeah. a lease price. It's it's a $2 a month ad. Yeah. And it transforms the car. I know Subaru's never going to honor a warranty for me, so whatever. But um, Fine. It transforms the car. It should be a super safe map. We are fortunate in Orange County. There's a uh, there's a guy, and I somebody will correct me on this, but Fat Body Tuning uh, is known for Subaru tuning. Um, I follow him on Instagram, and like daily, he's doing E85 kits and that kind of stuff. Um, and again, uh, somebody's going to correct me on his background, but basically, Navy engineer of some kind, like super like. 
I consider myself reasonably intelligent, and I'm not anywhere near this guy's Yeah, league. another level. Uh, yeah, totally another he's level. Like the, he's like the dude from the first Fast and Furious. Like, now nah, me and the mad scientist got to rip the engine block apart. <laughs> but he's the mad scientist for tuning. Right. So it's all the numbers make sense to him. Um, and so my goal in the next month or so is to get over there and get a custom tune done for my car, not just an OTS tune. Okay. But I'm not going E85 because no, that's a pain, pain in my ass. Yeah. No. Uh, somebody talked to me about it the other day. I'm like, mm, fuel no. economy is garbage. Yeah. Well, it was just around me. There's, there's not enough E85. It's a street car. Right. It's a street car that I take to the track, but it's a street car. So tracking the car. My first track day, now I did, my motorcycle I took to the track three times in 1991-92. So I actually had lap times at Willow to compare to, but from my motorcycle right. 30 years ago, whatever right. it was. Um, so my first the one- track changed at all since 91-92? It's been repaved. Okay. The layout's the same. The distances are all the same. Um, and in fact, who knows when the last time it was repaved, so it might be- Pretty much the same. Yeah. Like, I probably could take the 916 out and be pulling similar times to what I was pulling in 1991. Except I'm, I got to tell you, I'm a huge chicken on the motorcycle. Yeah, so that, that is going to, especially there. That's I, a, that's a, that is a, there's the one corner is a potentially deadly corner for motorcycles. Eight into nine. You said you went to Willow, right? Yeah. I don't see eight. This is the wall there. Before you button up onto the main straight, if you go off on the dirt off to the left at nine, you're staring straight at a wall. Well, I see, I see nine as as an issue. Um, I've I just know. heard it's. I've heard that one is not a good one for motorcycles. I would say probably people that are better than me. I think coming over six would freak me out, and I oh. think two because two is a really high speed sweeper and you're you, coming down but you hold it you're for breaking so long. into that one eight into nine you're accelerating no eight into nine i'm slowing down eight into nine coming out of nine you're accelerating well i mean depends where you're apexing and where you're doing this and that and which vehicle <laughs> that's you're why in. they put a cone depends there for which you. vehicle you're in because it it tightens up as it goes on the straightaway it's it's gnarly yeah it's intimidating as fuck for sure it in the car also so my my first track event was actually Auto Club Speedway with Speed Ventures, um, and then my second one oh my god I'm drawing a blank now was with Speed District at Willow. Two very different ways to run track days. Yeah, uh, your your Auto Club one was it Roval or Infield? Roval. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know you could run just the infield. I'd, oh yeah, I've, I've only ever run the infield. Oh. Yeah, yeah it feels like everybody else has run the Roval. I've never been on the Oval. Oh, dude. Yeah. You got I know. It. I saw Farah's video when he took that fucking uh, Lamborghini. There. Yeah. <laughs> I missed him by a week. Oh. I was I was going to go to that. and I need a track car. Which is why I bought the Subaru because yeah. I, I couldn't go any longer without right. one. But the two very different events. Two very different events. So Speed Ventures, if you are a new, 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 never been on the track before, I highly recommend you do at least your first, but maybe your first couple track events with them. Um, and this is the one you did at Auto at Club? Just Auto Club, Club. yes. Okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is because they're very, very organized. Um, they have things very locked down. The, For instance, the first two sessions were just lead follow. Wow. This is where the track goes. 
this is how you get on the no track. No matter your class. No, no, for beginners. Okay. And this was my first track day, and who knows how long, so I put myself in the beginner class. Sure, absolutely. Um, and a little bit frustrating because there were some people out there, I think, I think there was one girl that was still learning to drive stick. Right. So a little bit frustrating, but I liked the fact that they forced us yeah. to go slow. Um, the first time we were out there, you had to count corner workers. Where is every corner worker? And when we came back in, there's a classroom session. All right, where are all the corner workers? And it's amazing. Like, I was looking for them, and I missed two. Oh, okay. So you're like, oh, okay. So then the next time out, oh, that's where they are. Okay. So it was it was good. Afternoon. Now, can you show up at a Speed Ventures? I, I wonder if they're... If you've never been to one of their events, I wonder if you can show up and say, like, I've done this, this, and this. And they're like, all right, you're at least intermediate. If you have some verifiable experience, I think, they're, I think they're open to it. Like, okay. if, you know, and again, I don't want to speak for them. Right, of course. But they seem pretty reasonable. Like, yeah. I think if I'd gone and said, hey, you know, I've done four track days or whatever. Can I do the next step up? And they have, like, five classes, I think. Okay. So they have, like, a beginner you know, super, super, no idea what I'm doing. And then they have one step above, um, which basically is I've gone through the beginner class, but I'm still a real rookie. So like passing is super limited, sure. like only on the straight, only with a point by, um, which was really nice because you're kind of, you're kind of so deep in the, Oh my God, I'm trying to remember all the things I'm supposed to be doing. What's going on? You don't have to worry about somebody coming around you. What side are they coming around you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were really good about giving you point buys in the afternoon. That's good. Um, the last session of the day, our instructor bought his Porsche out, and I late model air cooled like pre nine six four. I think I don't. I don't know. G, I guess that's called a G body. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was fast, but I managed to keep with him for a couple of corners before. She was gone. He had me on horsepower by like a hundred horsepower. So we hit a straightaway and bye bye. Um, but it was really good as far as just a first track day to learn how to do track days. Yeah. Uh, Auto Club was nice because you can get a garage, so yep. you're not in the sun. Not in the sun. Uh, and it wasn't that hot. It was like April, so it wasn't that hot Still, anyway. But it can be fucking bananas. It was out there. nice. Um, and then I was next to a guy in a Corvette that had been there many, many times. And I was next to some other people on the other side that had been there a bunch. And so I was able to talk to them about what was going on. Everybody's super friendly. Yeah. How are you doing? Right. You know, it was, oh, this is your first day here. Let me, let me, uh, do you have any questions? Can I help you out? Where's the bathroom? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, they're all super helpful. And then I look over the wall and there's a whole rack of Subies behind me. I'm like, what's going on here? Well, it turns out Speed Ventures runs a thing called Subi Challenge. Oh, shit. So I go over on the other side, and I had paid for a transponder, so I knew what my lap times were. And at the end of the day, I was kind of listening to their, um, to their talk. And they have a couple of classes, but it sounded like I would have been in the hunt on their stock class. Okay. Oh, by the way, Nameless Exhaust, if anybody's worried about doing muffler deletes on a Subaru, Nameless Muffler deletes are just about right. They don't drone. They don't bother me a bit. Um, before I did that, you had to watch the tack to drive the car. Wow. Because you couldn't hear it at all. It was too quiet. 
Plus, it drops like 50 pounds off the back of the car. Okay. Which I proceeded to ruin by putting a trailer hitch on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Speed District at Willow, totally different feel. Driver meeting first thing in the morning. Hey, this is how it's going to work. Have a good time. Oh, shit. Was it intimidating or? Um, I'm still in the beginner group. Okay. Um, And they actually have two events going because then they had... And this is Big Willow. It's not Streets. Big Willow. Matt was at Streets of Willow. He was supposed to... The reason I was there was because he was supposed to come over to Big Willow at some point during the day. And then I think he ditched... It was fucking hot there. Yeah. I think we got to noon. I think he went back to this house and did a podcast with Alex Troy. Okay. So, whatever. Don't blame him. Not a bit. Um, But yeah, it was much, much more loose. But Speed Ventures, probably... 200 cars there like our beginner class i think had 40 or 50 cars that's on it. a shitload of cars that's a shit i mean it's like a lemons race roval's a big facility but i never got a lap where i was clear and could just go right willow there were eight cars on my group okay and yes there were some beginners and yes we had to do point bias but they were very specific about you just stick your hand out the window the and two point straights which, Pretty much. I mean, you could kind of do some. We did a lot between five and eight. Okay. Um, so you come down the hill on yeah, five. Yeah. So basically, coming around there, you'd see somebody in your mirror get moved over at six and let them go by before eight. Um, but for the most part, it was a straightaway. Yeah. We weren't we weren't so different in speed in that class that we really needed anything but the straightaway. Okay. Um, so. Great, great experience. And they said, Speed District said, you know, one of the things they do is they get to 60 cars. Don't quote me on that number, but they get to a certain number of cars and cut it off. And that's it. They don't let it anymore because. That's nice. I got out there for, I think they were 20 minute sessions. And I like the first session I was out there, I was dicing it up with a Mustang GT. This guy had a, a I think a bit more track experience than a beginner should have had. And they let people move between groups. Oh, so I think he was in the intermediate group that had like 15 people in it. So he dropped down to beginner, less cars, less cars. And we were doing about the same times. Okay. So it worked out. So like the first lap I'm kind of on his butt, but he was warming up. I didn't know that. <laughs> so he lets me go around him. Well, that's and what I'm, he fucking told you. And I, <laughs> I'm hauling at, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going so fast. And then two laps later, I, I kept I kept getting the flag like you blue know, flag. Get the flag yeah. go. And I'm like, I just passed this guy. I don't need to move over for him. So I move over and he's gone. And he's he pulled about a quarter of a lap on me by the time we were doing that session. So all right, dude's fast, fast track, and he has a he has more motor than yeah. You. And it's it was a 16, 17 Mustang. So he was yeah he was good. So this is a long episode. We're cutting it off here. This is the end of part one. We'll pick it up in part two next week where Rick continues telling us about his on-track fun in the Subaru, and then we'll dive into a bit more stuff. We ran a bit long because we were having a few beers and we were chatting, and this was kind of a fun one, but we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.